0: Good evening. Welcome to Fireside Chat. I am Johanna Duckworth. I'm so happy to have you all this evening. Um, so tonight we are continuing our conversation on love um, for the month of February. And so I'm so excited about our guest that we have today. Um, but before we get to Dr. Pamela, I'm going to talk to you briefly about the um, five things as single women that you should absolutely love about being single over 40. And these are kind of things that you may have overlooked. Um, and once we get into talking with Dr. Pam, Dr. Pamela, she's going to expound on some of these things, but let's get started. So these are five things that I believe, um, get overlooked as a single woman and these are things that you should absolutely love so number one is you have full control over your finances full control over your finances so when you think about what's happening in the world today and how people are you know absolutely strapped for cash in some instances not everyone um but there's like stimulus money coming in there's different financial decisions that have to be made. Guess what? As a single woman over 40, that's not something you necessarily have to be as concerned about as the women that are married. So um, let's move on to number two. Number two is better sleep equals more sleep. Sleep, y'all, I can't tell you that I have small children, so I I wake up very easily. Um, my my days are very long, and so sleep is coveted in my home. <laughs> coveted, and so the fact that you get the opportunity to be in control of what time you wake up, um, what time you go to bed. There's nobody necessarily like waiting on you. Um, Maybe your children, if you have smaller children, but that's definitely something. I don't even think that um, I can recall probably the last time, unless I'm away from home, that I had as much control over my sleep as I did when I was single. So it may seem simple, but it definitely is something big. Uh, number three, you don't have to deal with the stress of relationships um, or or there are definitely other relationships outside of, um, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, or being in a um, a serious relationship. There's also paternal relationships, there's sister relationships, best friend relationships, but the stress that some that can sometimes come with um, being in a relationship with someone of the opposite sex, that's something that you can definitely oh, have a sigh of relief during the pandemic. If you watched us last Thursday, then you know I met with um, Coach Delonda, who is a certified marriage coach, and we had a great conversation about being married during this time. So that's one thing that You can take a sigh of relief from. Um, Number four, this is something that I absolutely love. Oh my gosh. So I don't like to say that I'm jealous because I'm not. But if there's something that I could be jealous or maybe even a tad bit envious over single people is that you can take vacations when you want to. (laughs) And so what do I mean by that? Last minute vacays, you don't have to... um, you know, check schedules, all of that. So you can jump in the car and you can go. And we're going to talk to Dr. Pamela about that. Um, I'm sure she's got some great insights. Uh, doesn't mean you don't have to schedule it, but it's a lot less um, probably hectic to do when you're single versus being married. Number five, uh, this is the last one. You can say yes. To life-changing opportunities. And what does that mean? That means that if there's a job you want to take, if you want to move cross cross country to relocate, guess what? You only have to check with yourself. Um, And there will probably be definitely other factors that come in into play with that. But there's not a whole lot of um, agreement that you need from other people. So your children, definitely logistics, if you have small ones, um, or even if you have older children that are coming with you or or are impacted by um, some of those decisions, of course, that's a factor, but you can take a job, you can relocate. Some of those things that we definitely, as as married women, um, have to think more about. don't have that challenge and so these are just five simple things um that you may overlook and so it's possible to be joyfully single these are a few of the things that i think that are overlooked by some women especially those of us over 40 we get in a routine and we don't even think about the luxury of some of the things that um we have in our lives so with that and that goes for being married or single so I am so excited to have um, Dr. Pamela Larde uh, join us. Why don't you welcome her? Come on in, Dr. Pamela, come on in.
1: Hello, uh, <laughs> hello. Hi, hi, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I'm doing one of those last minute vacations right now. <laughs> oh my goodness, I am so <laughs> I feel some type of way, so
0: I'm not <laughs> completely jealous because I just came off of a staycation for um, Valentine's Day. That was one of the things that my husband gifted me. So, nice. um, oh, yes, it was, sweet. oh, it was fantastic, and I was by myself, um, so that was great. So, you know, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay for now, but just the fact that
1: <laughs> <laughs> so husbands do allow this—that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> So last week I talked
0: about, you know, um, the importance of articulating your needs to your spouse. And so I had really not been doing a good job of that. I was just kind of taking on a bunch of responsibility or just acting as though we were not in a pandemic, (laughs) you know, and just living. And, um, I was like, wow, I'm stressed out. (laughs) Yeah. I need some help, and so <laughs> I had to I had to articulate to him what my needs were, and so he helped to make that happen. So that was awesome. I love it. That yes. Was. Um. So, Doctor Pamela, let's get started. So, I like to do um, before we jump into our interview, I like to do what's called um, an icebreaker,s just an opportunity for us to laugh a little bit. So, let's let's key up our our icebreaker. Let's get ready for that. Okay. So Dr. Pamela, if you could travel anywhere, so we're talking about vacations and I know that you're a woman that likes to travel, that you enjoy it. Yes. What, if if there was one last destination that you could pick, you couldn't go anywhere else, where would you like to spend the rest of your days? Mm.
1: Well, the first thing that's coming to mind is Bali because it's just, it, it's beautiful and there's huts on the water. Um, it just seems extremely peaceful. I don't know enough about Bali to say definitively that's where I would want to go. But based on what I've seen, uh, that place looks absolutely beautiful.
0: Wow. Yeah. I've never been there. Um, it is on my bucket list to go to Dubai. Um, and so I don't know, you know, like proximity,
1: but in I my- I think it's like a, an India, Indo- uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not. I don't. That's sad. I don't even know where it is, but I want to go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. It just feels so right right about yeah. now, doesn't it? <laughs> right. And I'm a, and I'm, a, I'm kind of a bit of a, a person who loves peace and nature, so it just seems like the perfect place to sit and write. So. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, I'm I'm so excited to talk to you about writing in a few minutes. So, how about ice cream. If you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be?
1: I would definitely be a sorbet because I am uh, lactose intolerant, so I wouldn't want to not be able to tolerate myself. (laughs) So so I would be a sorbet and probably more specifically a raspberry sorbet.
0: Mm, I love that. So a little bit of sweet.
1: Mm -hmm. With strawberries in it.
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, with strawberries in it.
1: Okay. My um, guess last week was sorbet too. Come on, sorbet. Ah. <laughs> I like mine. I love Delonda. Yes. Yes.
0: I think that um, the sorbet is a mature, it's a mature dessert, you know, and it can go with um, a number of different things very yeah. well. So I love that. So if there was a skill that you could pick up,
1: any skill, what would it be? Hmm. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, something like skiing. Um, I probably could pick it up if I weren't too scared to try it, <laughs> but I imagine it has to be exhilarating to just hold onto those things and just whoo, go down the hill. So I, th- I think it would be that it would be skiing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, do you think you'd ever try it like
0: in the near future? I, I, I hear that there's these bunny heels, um,
1: so I, I would try those.
0: <laughs> I can attest to that. I've, I've been on a bunny hill a few times.
1: Okay. That I would try. I, I don't know. I used to be really brave and adventurous when it came to that kind of thing, and then I I think I started realizing that injuries can happen, and I don't know. I just... <laughs> <laughs> you want to protect all of this, right? All of it. I, I am reading a book right now about how to live to 120 years. Um, and our bodies can biologically do that. But you've got to take care of yourself. So I'm thinking skiing might cut that short. I don't know. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, maybe if you had a
0: good instructor and you were with a group of people, you know. When I had the opportunity to go, it was um, quite a few years ago, but I went with a group of people, and this was during my single days. And some friends talked me into going, and um, I was like, "Wait, what?" You know, I was kind of of the mind like, mm-hmm. "So I don't have any friends <laughs> that have been skiing, and I don't know should I take cues from that." Um, <laughs> And they encouraged me to, come on, Johanna, just just go for it. And so I did. And the saving grace for me was that I had an instructor. Um, We had an instructor at the place that we were at. And so they were giving us instructions. And so because of that, I didn't kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) It was was great fun. fun. (laughs) Okay. So last question of um, the icebreaker. Name one thing or one lesson that 2020 taught you.
1: Oh, gosh. It's so funny because I'm like, wait, is 2020 the year that COVID happened? I mean, (laughs) it's so long ago. Right, 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 right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, 2020 taught me um, about just how hard-headedly, if that's a word, strategic that I am. Um, Mm. I, you know, if I... I knew when we hit March and everybody was starting to close down in different states, um, I knew I was going to have to come up with a game plan for myself and my daughter um, and our household to make sure we were going to be okay. Not only were we going to be self- healthy and safe, but that we were going to be mentally okay. We we're going to have fun with each other. Um, we have to deal with each other all day, every day. She's at home. I'm at home. How are we going to make that something that that works for us? And um, I came up with a very, specific strategy, and it has worked so well. Um, She's on board, and we just, we haven't, knock on wood, gotten sick of each other yet, you know, and it's just, it's been an awesome thing, and so I think I have really learned and really solidified that when I design a strategy for survival and thriving, because it's really a thriving and surviving strategy, um, that I stick to it. I'm, I'm pretty committed. I'm hard-headed about it. When people try to violate it i i hold true to my boundaries and um that's that's a major thing that i think I, I learned about myself
0: wow wow that's that's awesome you know i don't know that a lot of people can say the same thing i felt like um i one of the people that kind of got thrown into it mm-hmm. and um i don't know that i felt like i think i felt like maybe a lot of people that this is going to be over soon and mm-hmm. i don't I wasn't I think I was rebelling.
1: understandably so <laughs> yeah yeah i refuse to because a lot of people you're, what you're saying is is was very is very common uh, but a lot of people thought you know what this is going to last for a little while and it's going to go away um and i i adopted what i'm calling mental stamina where i'm like nope this is going to be for a long time we're in here for the long haul so what do we need to do to make sure we've got everything we need and i'm and i'm not one of those that was in the grocery store with 20 different sets of paper towels and toilet paper. (laughs) I was in the toy section buying games and books and, (laughs) you know, and things like that to just make our life at home as rich as possible. So
0: that's awesome. That really is awesome. Okay. So that's a great segue for us to um, move into our discussion. So we think about, um, your journey and your path, and and maybe how that um, works for you everyday life. You are a busy woman, <laughs> a busy <laughs> woman, and so so many times. Um, so let me just say, I'm going to put um, I'm going to put a pin right here. Okay, I want to talk about how I know you. So let's okay. talk about that um, really yes. quickly. So I have had the pleasure of um, knowing. Dr. Pamela, probably maybe um, up close and impersonal, maybe for about two years now.
1: Would you say maybe about two? Up close and personal, yes. But I've always, I've known about your existence long before then. Oh, okay. Well, great. I've known <laughs> about
0: her existence long before then as well. So okay. that, um, that, that's major for me because I was watching her do her thing. I think someone um, told me maybe... Prior to us connecting, um, that there was this lady, and she um, she does life coaching certification, and I wasn't in the place at the time to um, to really walk in that, mm-hmm. and. Um, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's interesting. Kind of a a coaching question. Tell me more, right? (laughs) Um, And and I learned a little bit more. And then I kind of put that on the shelf. And then fast forward, I had the opportunity to um, attend an event, a writing retreat that you did here in Milwaukee. And it was great um, with Anita Holloman. And so that was, I think that was my first introduction to meeting you personally um, at the writing retreat. And that was really fun. It really yeah, was. That was an awesome day. Yeah. yeah, it was. And so getting to know you then, and then fast forward probably another two years after that, you were back in Milwaukee for another writing um, event. And um, that was more of an intensive kind of like a day long um, type of event and, and really had the opportunity to get to know you or or what your events were like, um, on the writing side more in-depthly. And that was a great opportunity. And, and from then, you know, we, we just kept going, you know, we kept going. And, um, in 2019 right around the summer, I had the opportunity to, um, take the um my get my certification through the academy of creative coaching (laughs) (laughs) so that was a great experience um and and i always tell people you know about it like i'm a creative and i went i participated virtually and the fact that i could sit through the intensive uh, virtually, you know, really to me spoke to the quality of the instruction that was coming through. And And that uh, was
1: before we were really doing virtual in a formal manner. Um, Right. Yeah. Now we're all virtual until this COVID thing goes away. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right.
0: It was was just a great, a great program. And so I had the opportunity to, um, to, to really get hands on with that and then since then you know I've launched a coaching business and I'm doing that and I get the pleasure to work in the academy of creative coaches as one of the phenomenal coaches so yes uh, I'm a mastermind yes. expert <laughs> yes. so that I'm, I'm still perfecting my coaching and i get the opportunity to do that with you all um, on a regular basis and put out some amazing coaches in the world so oh, um, yeah. yeah yeah and so you have a dynamic program with the academy of creative coaching you. And um, your tandem light um, press writing. So let's let's start there. Um, okay. Let's start with. I, I'd like to start with coaching. Um,
1: how did you get into that space? Uh, yeah, you know that's interesting because I I worked at Marquette for I don't know seven eight years in student affairs. So always working with mm-hmm. students, and you know they're coming to my office. They're plopping on the couch and they're saying, oh, you know, my classmates were, you know, I don't know, singling me out because I am a woman who wears a hijab or, you know, just whatever it was that, you know, there were there were all kinds of things that I worked with students on. Um, I then, uh, in between, Cardinal Stritch and here I took a job at Cardinal Stritch and then I came here to Georgia. There was something about my experience here as a professor because when I came to Georgia I came as a professor and there was something about that experience of having students plop in their chair in tears and you know because I'm a I'm a professor of research so that class scares a lot of people you know research and um, at the doctoral level um, and so I ha- I've had a lot of tears I've had a lot of and I think what probably what it was was the doctoral students were coming to me with more home life challenges. Not that it's any less important than what people are dealing with at school, but it would be things like, um, you know, I just spent the whole night rocking a bottle of gin while my kids ran around naked and I didn't know where my husband was. And so I didn't get any writing done. And I'm like, okay, so what's your topic? You know, I just, <laughs> like, what do you want me to say to that? <laughs> but I knew that I couldn't gloss over those things because, you know, what their topic of their paper does not matter if you can't help them through the obstacles and the challenges. So it just became really clear to me. It was I guess it was one thing to have students come to my office and ask me to deal with a situation for them because their teacher was being racist or because they had a classroom or roommate dilemma. But when I am working with students writing a dissertation, I can't just do it for them. I can't say, okay, well, hand it over. I'll go ahead and write that chapter for you, and you get your rest. You know, I still had to find a way to help them get it done. And to me, that pointed to coaching even more so than the work that I did with undergrads um, in student affairs, which surprised me, because I thought 10 years in student affairs, 12 years in student affairs, I know this stuff. I know how to help people through stuff. but I so when that one situation I just described, she spent the night rocking a bottle of gin and I just have this visual of, oh, my gosh. Um, and I went to my dean um, or department chair right after that meeting. Um, you know, I pushed a box of tissue to her and did what I could in the moment. And then I went to my department chair and I said, look, I think I need life coach training because everything that you know, these students bring to me, it's not academic issues. These are personal challenges that are blocking their academic process. And I want to be helpful. And um, she thought it was a great idea and they actually paid for my certification. Um, and unfortunately, I was not, I did not like the certification program. I'm a college professor. I write curriculum. Um, my my doctoral work has a lot of um, positive psychology integrated into it. And I just thought the curriculum of the program I went through was weak. And Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm not going to say which one it was because I don't want to, you know, knock them. But they are still to this day trying to get accredited by the ICF. I got my um, certification in 2012, (laughs) you know, and so I just thought. I can create a program that is life-changing, that not just has the curriculum and checks the boxes, but that also, I mean, because coaching is just so powerful. Like, mm-hmm. how can you not write a curriculum that also transforms the person that's taking the course? So that was the goal. And that's how um, I pulled a friend aside who is a psychologist, Dr. Sony Akalade. And she and I um just kind of pulled some materials together we did the research we developed the curriculum and then we launched our first cohort probably about 9 months later and with the ICF you have to run a cohort through before you can actually apply for uh, accreditation so we had to run it through and she and I taught all the classes and we got a we got approved the first you know round it was just, it was amazing wow
0: and i think that really speaks to just your um your level of expertise and, you know, what God has gifted you to do, you know, the fact that she, um, the other, the other course that you mentioned that you took, like, you know, the people are still trying to get their <laughs> accreditation.
1: And, and I think they gave up because they. I've seen posts where they say, you know, the ICF is a sham or the ICF, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I, you know, it is what it is, but
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's really amazing. It is. So, so that's how you got into the world of coaching. Um, and what, as a result of really something that was not a positive experience, um, what, what made you decide, you know what, now I want to not only produce the curriculum, I want to, um, like certify other coaches and get them out there and create like a whole business. Cause you could have, you know, well, I, if, if you wrote the curriculum and you got um, certified through the ICF, obviously, you know, you had a, a, a goal in mind with that, but to turn it into what it has become today. Like, what was that journey like for you?
1: <laughs> well, so let me be honest. The 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 motivation to start a coaching school um, actually came from, and my mom, she'd get mad if she heard me giving him this credit. It's is an ex of mine. <laughs> She's like, he did not do that. But I was, <laughs> I was dating somebody, and that didn't pan out. And he wanted to start a physical therapy school, and mm-hmm. I, and, and you know, and he's he was a ther- physical therapist, and he was working on pulling the pieces together to get that done. Um, he never did that, by the way. But what it did was it planted a seed in me, and I thought, what skill set do I have that I can? create, you know, from some kind of school. I just got my, I had just gotten my PhD a few years prior. I was like, okay, so I have a, I have a a knowledge base on some things and what can I pull together? And, you know, so the coaching thing made a lot of sense. Um, And honestly speaking, it was about making money. And rarely do I come up with an endeavor just to make money. But at the time, I was a single mom. I'm still, I'm still a single mom, aren't I? i was a single mom. My son was in high school. I was struggling with him. He um, was, I don't, you know, I was on the heels of a divorce. And, you know, just thinking about all the things that he possibly experienced as a, you know, preteen teen going through this transition. And he would come home, he's a smart kid, very smart kid. Um, he would come home with straight Fs. And I say, what's going on? And he just shrugs his shoulder. Oh. You know, so I just, there was nothing. There was nothing. I mean, I even created these creative punishments where he couldn't enter his room. He had to sleep in the hallway. <laughs> like <laughs> I tried everything, nothing worked. So I decided I needed to send him to uh, a military school. And um, that school was $20,000 a year. I needed to find a way to make $20,000 a year to pay for his school. And that's when the coaching idea came to mind because somebody, the way the coaching school I went to works, they go to a city, they bring in 25 students, they pay about $3,000, and then they send them away and they're done. I'm like, dang, do the math. That's a lot of money. (laughs) So that was the vision when I first started, was to try to figure out how to put my son through this military school. Um, Unfortunately, it took, about five years before we started making the kind of money that would have helped me pay for his military school. So it didn't work for that in that timeline. And that's the nature of business. It takes time to build and grow. Um, And you learn, you learn things. There's trial and error and all of that. So um, I I will say that when he went to the military school, he was a straight A student. He, He was Phenomenal, um, and he's now in college. So you know, it was it was totally worth it. But my intention was about making money. The journey was extremely rough. I had days where I was just like, I'm shutting this down. What am I doing? I mean, it was just like sometimes I would have to pull out of my own pocket to pay the team members. Um, I've had a loyal team of faculties from uh, faculty from from the beginning, um, and most of them, maybe I think with the exception of one or two. Are still with us. And um, and it's just it's amazing. So they have been committed and they've been loyal. So anytime I've felt like I needed to faint, they've always caught me and they've always said, Look, you go sit over there and we'll do what we need to do to keep this thing going, because we're not letting this vision die. This vision is too big, it's too major, um, and we're not letting it happen, you know. And so I, uh, you know, I, I would be full of like, okay, whatever. You guys are tripping Why don't you have the business then. I mean, I had all kinds of, attitude. <laughs> like, take it then. Um, and you know, and I'm glad that they were there in those moments. Those moments weren't long, you know, it'd be a day, it'd be a couple of days, you know, and then I'd get back on track, but thank God I had that level of motivation and support yeah. to speak the purpose and to help me remember the purpose because you know it there were there were some really hard days right and that's really
0: you know a point that can apply to to everything right just the level of support that you have in your life um and you talked about you know being a, a a single mom um having this business another business and your you know your nine to five your children all of that and so Oh my goodness i can only imagine you know the pressure being an entrepreneur um period
1: i wouldn't have it any other way it was like i actually prayed for this i remember being in my 20s and just praying for ways to work from home so that i can be present with my kids my mom was a stay-at-home mom and i always felt horrible going to work every day. And it's nothing wrong with that, but it was a desire that I had to find a way to be home with my kids. And it just occurred to me maybe a year ago, oh my gosh, it's happened. I've been working from home for years. And and so exactly the vision I had in in my twenties is now what I'm living in my forties and even really most of my thirties.
0: Wow. Wow. So at what age um, would you say that the businesses
1: came into play in your life um so the divorce was at. it's so funny the divorce was at 33 and i always equate that with um that might not be fair but you know jesus was 33 when Mm -hmm. when he went through all his major tribulations and and was on the cross Um, and so i i thought there was some significance with that like wow that's you know i'm making this major life transition at 33 um the businesses, I had another business that I, I really kind of just got tired of and I let that go it was to help kids get to college. Um, so that, so we, you know, we can count that, but around maybe 2014, 2013 is when I started building the publishing company. And that's because I was ready to publish my book, Letters to the Brokenhearted. And I sat down with literary agents and they loved my book um what they told me was that but who are you you know what's your name do you have a big name um you know you're writing about relationship advice but you're not steve harvey you're not oprah winfrey when it comes to nonfiction and books about you know self-help we have to be able to sell your name to the publisher because that's what people buy is the name what is your twitter following what is your instagram following well instagram didn't exist at that time on Facebook. And I said, I have 300 followers on Twitter and I have 600 on Facebook. And they're like, that's not going to cut. You need at least 10,000. Um, and on Facebook, you need at least 5,000. So it it was heart-wrenching. It was like, I was depleted because they said, "Your the book is great. Your writing is amazing, but we need you to go take some time to build your platform. Wow. Um, so I was so put off by that because I'm a purist when it comes to writing. Like I just want the writing to be good and the quality of the book and the way that it's designed. All of that is important. Um, and so I decided I'm going to create a publishing company that is accessible to people who don't have those platforms, um, but they're great writers and they have a story to tell and a message to put out to the world.
0: I love that. So just in the midst of, um, of you hearing the no, right? Like you yeah. created your own opportunity out of that. Um, right. Out of that, and so that that takes a lot of grit, you know, to be able to do that. Um, so we're in the midst of life happening, and you starting the business. Tandem Light was the first one that you started, I imagine, right? Is that correct? It
1: was. It was to publish my book, and I wanted to publish mine before I tried anybody else's, just to make <laughs> sure I knew the entire process and that it could be done well. And and I was validated because I I I won awards for my book. I got a Positive Writers Digest and um, Publishers Weekly review, and I thought, okay, so this is it's done well. So we can do this, and so now let's move forward with other books. And how many books have you published to date? Um, uh, four print books, mm-hmm. and then um, and then I have a few eBooks that I'm I'm probably going to delete soon. <laughs> The lead? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling them. I can, I just want to rework them, but yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're talking to a writer. For me, it's like, girl, I'm not getting rid of that book. <laughs> you know how long it took me to write that.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't
0: know. Cool. yeah. Um, okay, so so keeping it moving, um, when you're talking about your career what was what's the highlight you know you've done so much um and what some may think um, a short amount of time you know there's people that are a lot older than you that haven't reached your level of um of accomplishment what's been your highlight highlight for you
1: so I don't say this often and the only reason why I'm willing to say it here is because it's not in writing (laughs) and and nobody can um, share it or anything like that. Um, But I will say the highlight for me was doing our um, taxes last year, doing our accounting and looking at our profit and realizing that we're in the multi-millions. That was huge for me. That was huge for me. I, I just, and I'm still in awe when I look at the salaries that we're paying out and I'm thinking, my company can afford to pay somebody that, you know, it just blows my mind, blows my mind.
0: Like <laughs> I just want to pause for me.
1: <laughs> like I said, I don't post this. I don't, yeah. you know, but I figure we're in a safe space. I can, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. We're in a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's fantastic. You know, I want to congratulate you. That's, that's amazing. You know, especially during this time. Um,
1: And yeah.
0: Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So
1: i are struggling right now. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around how much God has just taken care of this vision. He told me to do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and all the times I wanted to quit, you know, he positioned the right people around me to just keep it going. And it's like, okay, I see what you're saying now. And it, you know, it's not just,
0: praise, I to take a praise break. Glory, <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, come yes. on credit, when credit is due. Oh, praise yeah. the Lord. Praise you had the Lord. vision. You stuck with the vision. God put his super on top of your natural. Um. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, And so I, you know, I, I feel maybe a little extra joy because I'm um, a part of some of that, and just yeah. you know, hard for you is to be happy, you know, to see the the manifestation of the work that you have put in on on many levels, and so that's a blessing it's, to me.
1: And what's even more important is when I get messages from people about how some aspect of the program saved their life or, you know, how some aspect of the program transformed their career or their parenthood or their marriage. It's just like, we're doing the work, you know, and it's meaningful.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, singleness. That's really what our topic is. I can talk to you all day about the rest of the stuff, <laughs> so we're here for a reason, and let's take focus. Um, So when we talk about singleness, you know, what
1: does that word mean to you? Freedom. <laughs> um, you know, it 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 really does. I mean, for some people, it means loneliness. It means failure. Um, and I think that maybe at some point in my, you know, probably in some of my lowest moments, I've felt like, you know, abandoned that, you know, and, and even by God, like what really, Lord, what's, what's happening? You know, why is this happening? And, you know, and, and so those are moments where I have to kind of pull myself up and remember where I am and why I'm where I am. Um, so I would say in general, it means freedom for me.
0: Freedom—that's a great word. And how long did it get? Did it take for you to get to that frame of mind?
1: <laughs> um, I would say, and, and I'll and I'll clarify that the freedom doesn't mean just being able to go off on a vacation, but it also means freedom to fully immerse in your purpose in a way that you may not be able to, or that you definitely won't be able to, if you're in the wrong marriage or the wrong relationship. And so, um, so it, for me, when I first got divorced, I was on on a bit of a high because it was not a healthy marriage. Um, And I just, I couldn't believe I actually went through with it and I actually did it. And then I actually got this professor job at Mercer. And I'm just like, wow, look at God making everything fall into place for me. I was able to come here and buy my house. Things were just going really well. I thought I was going to get divorced. And Joya was two. My son was 11. So I thought, surely I'll get married in another five years and have more babies and, you know, Uh, Five years came and went, (laughs) you know, during that five years, I was doing all the work. I was excited. I was like, you know, I'm going to whatever purpose I'm supposed to be having. I'm going to, you know, I found a church and I found ways to be involved. I was just trying to get myself spiritually in line. Doing the work was fun because I thought there's a means to the end. You know, I do this in five years. Husband will come. I remember one Sunday in church, the pastor said, Scream out three things that you're believing God for. I said book, and then I said house, and then I said husband. <laughs> book and house came, and I don't know where husband is, I think he's lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a book and two houses, in fact. So, it's like, wow, we've gone. Gotten- so, I am 11 years divorced now, and mm. um, and so. The process has been highs and lows because I thought five years, sure, I'll get my husband, and then I guess I probably hit a low five, six years. Like, what is happening? What's going on? When I hit forty, I'm not sure how that math all adds up. But when I hit forty, I, it's something in me. I just got, I got really frustrated. I, I actually even started going to therapy. Like, what is happening? What's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Um, and and I at some point decided that I'm going to make this a positive experience. I'm going to mm. take full advantage of this because I remember that when I was married, there are things that I wanted to do. I wanted to, When I wanted to get my PhD, my husband at the time basically challenged me and said, what is that going to do for our family? How is having a PhD going to financially benefit our family? I need you to go write me a report and submit it to me, and then we can decide if you get a PhD. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't write the report. I just went ahead mm. and submitted my application to Cardinal Stritch. Um, And the the irony is looking at my my financial gains now, I couldn't have told him then what my life now would look like, but getting a PhD, at least on my career path, most certainly resulted in financially benefiting at least my family, the family I have now. Um, So I figured at 40, that's when I made the decision to pivot away from Husband's coming in five years. Remember that mental stamina I said about covid. Mm-hmm. If You're going you're gonna to be in this. You're going to make this great <laughs> yeah. until it ends. And you don't get to choose when it ends necessarily. So you're going to make it great. And so I started traveling once a month. I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, you can afford to do that. No, I found ways to get on fifteen dollar flights and stay at, you know, places that really didn't cost a lot. I mean, I just figured I made it happen. People buy, spend money on purses. I don't spend money on purses. I just don't. Um, I spend money on trips. (laughs) So, you know, so I just was very intentional about how I'm going to do this single thing.
0: Wow. Wow. And so it took some planning on your part for sure. Absolutely. Yes.
1: And how did that impact your children? Um, I think they got to see a mom that wasn't depressed and down and crying or hiding in her room. Um, I've most certainly had those days. Um, I, I'm human. I most certainly have those days now. Um, I just know how to bounce back from that now in much better ways than before. Um, but it benefits them. It's, and I can speak especially for my daughter because she's living it and she's seeing it with me. My son's at, college. Um, But she is just like, I can't imagine you and dad being married (laughs) because, and she's like, and I'm glad, I'm actually glad you're not because I have two different lives when I'm, her dad is very structured, you know, and he's a, he's a great dad, you know, but he's very structured and um, she comes to my house and we go to bed when we go to bed. And so we're just a very different household, but she, and, and part of it is because she has uh, um, this sense of excellence. And so she's going to, she pushes herself um, in ways that I don't even need to, I don't even need to think about it. I don't need to ask her. And so I think she watches me and she watches how I, because I work from home most of the Mm times, she gets to see how I conduct business. She gets to see the things that I pray for. I have a prayer closet and she sees it. um, And she sees how, those things are manifest, except for the husband part. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, And she quite frankly does not want a husband in our house anyway. So it might not even be till she finishes high school. She's four years away and she's just happy. She's like, I love our house the way it is. I love our family the way it is. And I'm just grateful to be able to have a middle schooler who is happy and, yes. and loves our life. Yes.
0: Yes, because that can be a difficult age. Um, yes. yeah, especially you know if if you are co-parenting, and so mm-hmm. that's really a blessing for to hear your your child say that it really. Can
1: is. I say something about the co-parenting? Yeah, one of the things that I did when my when I got divorced, you know, we had a very, he was angry, justifiably so. He was angry that I would leave him, that I would divorce him, and um, and I had justifiable reasons for doing so. That's another show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that. But, um, <laughs> but he, um, <laughs> and I did talk to Pastor Melba before I made that decision. So I'm just going <laughs> to, <laughs> I had counsel. No, but um, I was worried about his jealousy. I was worried about his temper. Mm-hmm. So I prayed, and maybe this was a bit selfish as I'm saying it, maybe it was selfish, but I prayed that he would find his wife first. I prayed that he would get married first, that he would find a spouse first so that when somebody came along with for me, he wouldn't be so worried about what's going on in my household. And lo and behold, God sure answers all those other prayers except for the husband one. So he <laughs> so my husband, my ex-husband did get married and there is a co-parenting situation. And, and his wife is amazing. Uh, my daughter's a dancer. She's a dancer. And so I, what I'm so grateful for is that one of my biggest prayers when we got divorced is that we focus on the happiness of our daughter and that whatever we're frustrated with between each other does not get in the way of our parenting. And I'm telling you the transformation that her father has had from the time that we got divorced to now is just amazing. He's an usher at church. Like this man wouldn't go to church. <laughs> like, a totally different man. So I'm amazed. The power of prayer. When you have a co-parenting situation, um, I couldn't argue him down. I would never win. I would never win in being more spiteful. I would never win in being more because he's better at it than me. So mm. I just i i went i went to my knees, and and that is how I think another reason why my daughter is so happy because she has parents who respect each other and make decisions jointly for her well-being. That's so
0: powerful. That's so powerful. Like we could park there for a minute. Um, But, you know, just to know that, first of all, um, your decision was infused with prayer and um, that it was an integral part of, you know, you moving forward. And I believe that the prayer that you prayed as it relates to your, you know, your now ex-husband, I believe that that was wisdom, that he would find, you know, somebody first so that you know, basically, he could be minding his business. (laughs) That's a wise woman. That's a wise woman.
1: That's a wise woman. (laughs) And it worked. worked. It worked. Yeah, she's good, too. She she's she's a she's a great co-parent as well. So
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, awesome. I mean, that benefited you
0: putting yourself to the side right and praying for him that he would you know um remarry like it, it benefited your daughter it benefited you um mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like that was that was wisdom it really was it was wisdom and so thank God for that right he put that in your heart to do um, and you saw the manifestation of it and still benefiting from it today right,
1: right. Yes. absolutely
0: yeah 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 that's that's a great ladies. Pick that that one up. That's that was a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the whole co-parenting thing. Um, you you put your feelings yourself where you wanted to be to the side. And so I believe, you know, it's just a matter of time before that that last detail of your husband gets added to the you know, <laughs> you know. list
1: and you can move well, on to the next look after you went through your list in the beginning, I'm thinking maybe I'm good. Maybe I need you to stay here and see <laughs> listen i'm
0: like when i was going through and preparing i'm like oh my goodness i don't think we even realize some of the things we take for granted right you know um so yeah absolutely enjoy it now yes (laughs) something as small as the sweet is coveted in my house
1: (laughs) oh i don't know what i'm gonna do when i get married i'm gonna need counseling
0: Right, we are definitely from being single. Yes, there's a coach for that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. good. (laughs) Um, So, when you when how do you know? when you're ready to start a relationship, like, what would you say? What advice would you give women for Mm -hmm. them to know, you know what? I I think I'm ready. Like I've been divorced. I've been, and maybe they haven't been divorced, um, but oftentimes women that are 40 and over, and that's what really this advice is, is geared towards that audience. um, How do you know when you're ready to move on? Like, how did, how did you know that you were like, you could put yourself aside to, Pray that for your husband. What was the thing for you?
1: So one of the things that we do is we get into might as well situations. My marriage was a might as well situation. Well, you know, I'm a Mm. single mom. He proposed. Um, He has a connection with my son. I might as well go ahead and do this. (laughs) When you are not making a decision decision based on might as well, there is a clue that you might be ready. Um, Mm. But one of the things that I think And we may not realize this, but I believe firmly that when we were born, we made a commitment, somewhere, spiritually made a commitment to live a life of purpose, to follow our purpose. Um, There is this idea that when we are born, we are born determined and motivated more so than any other point in our life. Um, And that's because we haven't been tainted with trauma. We're just, you know, we're pushed, we help our mothers when we're in, when they're in labor with us, we try to get out. Um, when we're born, if we're completely healthy, we scream. When we're hungry, we let everybody know we're hungry. When we're hurt, we let everybody know we're hurt. When we're trying to walk, we walk. So we are motivated because it's like, look, I got, I got a purpose here. I need to walk. I need to talk. I need, I got things I need to do. With it. And it may not obviously be a conscious thing, but we're pushing for something. We're striving towards something. And at some point in our life. The trauma happens. Um, Mm -hmm. At some point in our life somebody tells us that we're not pretty enough. At some point in our life somebody says you'll never be able to be a good writer, Um, um, you know you're stupid, all those things. And those are the things that tear away at our motivation and then we start to shrink and we start to hide ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we know that we're ready for a relationship it's because we are knee deep in our purpose. So let's say that our purpose is this little seedling in the ground. And we know that we're responsible for getting that seedling to grow into an oak tree. And when we are dedicated to that, we're doing what we need to do, we're making sure it gets the proper light and the water and all of those things. When we're doing that, um, we are on the road to purpose. When somebody else comes into our life and they start blocking the sun so that Mm -hmm. our little seedling can't grow, Or they start kind of nudging us out of the way. Like, why do you always got to be over here with this stupid seedling? You know, we're not ready. This is not the right situation. If you have somebody who is going to kneel down next to you and make sure that that little thing is being taken care of, that that little thing is, and rejoices with you when it sprouts from the ground, um, that it doesn't get jealous when it becomes this big oak tree. That's when you know, okay, this is, this is, the time. This is when it's time for me to step forward um into a relationship.
0: That's good. That's good. So what what is dating like for you now?
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm being dramatic. You know, I so so covid I don't really date a lot. Um yeah. you know, I I think that in and one of my friends just told me this evening, you know, he said, I think the reason why um you know, some of the things that people give advice to women, like the, the Steve Harveys and the Stefan, the Boissier and, you know, all these people have all these advice for women. I always kind of like, uh, yeah, I knock it. I, d- I do a lot of that. I'm a hater sometimes when it comes to these male relationship experts who try to tell women what to do. Um, mm-hmm. and it's because I don't think that they're really trying to advance us. I think they're trying to soothe the pain and just, you know, and, and by finding a man, well, here's how you get a man. And it's like, that doesn't suit that. All that does is soothe the pain temporarily. That does not grow us. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, what he told me is he said, I think that you're at a higher level of growth when it comes to your own self-actualization, your own, you know, living in your purpose and so forth. So what, what that means, though, is dating um, results in fewer options because I don't necessarily settle for people who aren't there. Um mm-hmm. so I can tell sometimes in the very first conversation that this isn't this isn't right. Um and it's stuff that most people wouldn't recognize. So you know I've had people say girl just keep you know just give them a chance. Like what like Dr. Pam give us an example. So I, um, so, you know, I'm i a business owner and I have, I don't have a whole lot of time. So when I do have time, you know, and I dedicate that time, you know, I think it's, it's huge. So I know um, one evening I met somebody online. I tried the whole dating app thing and he wanted to meet me in person. And I said, you know, that would be awesome. Um, and he said, I'm going to be driving by, or I'll be in your area around eight o'clock. So if you're interested, you know, uh, or I'll just call you. And I said, okay, cool. I was at this restaurant and I was having a conference call. It was about eight o'clock and he called me and I was still on the conference call. I couldn't answer. And I don't know what it was, but anyway, I called him back maybe five minutes later. And he said, well, I called you and you didn't answer. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I know I was in the conference call. My apologies, but I'm here, you know, whenever you're ready, are you in still in the area? He said, no, I kept driving because you didn't answer the phone. (laughs) And I was like, um, you know, I said, I bet I'm still here. You know, I was just I couldn't answer the phone. I was on a call, and and he said, "Well, you obviously don't have time for me." And <laughs> you know, and and so it's subtle things like that. So even if you know, and and later he did try to call and he tried to apologize. But my thing is that was our first interaction. What what happens when we're living together? And I have, you know, and so yeah, I do jump to those things because if this is what you're showing me in the beginning and you're supposed to be at your best, I, I, don't, I don't give passes for things like that. Um, so I, I am 100% aware that a large, a big reason why I'm single is because I won't ride things out just to see. I mm. won't ride things out if it's a might as well, I ain't got nothing else to do, I might as well just go ahead and go, I don't do that so um so my dating in many cases are one and done and um and you know and and but i know and you know i i'll I'll give you one more example um i went out with a pastor i was so excited i was like he's a pastor (laughs) you know this has got to be good and um and he spent the entire time talking about himself Um, He would ask me a question and then he would cut me off and continue to talk about himself. And so after a while, the excitement waned. And I thought, "Uh," you know, but I stayed on the date, you know, and when at one point in the date, he told me about his daughter, who um, her boyfriend was abusive to him, her, and he decided to join the police force and become a police officer so that they can do a standoff in the at the guy's house, pull the guy out of the house, and beat him up. How much effort does it take to become a police officer, to plot, to come to this guy's house, to beat him up, and then to brag to me on this date that the man can only drink out of a straw now?
0: That sounds like Tyler Perry. Like it sounds like <laughs>
1: it's like I can't, I can't, I can't go any further with you. You're scary. I I get it. He 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 abused your daughter and, and it wasn't brutal like that, but you know, I get it. You're mad, and yeah, something needs to happen to the dude, but that's your strategy. And um, and you know, and so and the guy just had no he could not accept that I wasn't interested anymore. Um, and, and as if that was enough, when we got to my car, he pushed me up against the car and tried to thrust his tongue in my mouth. And it's like the pastor. Huh? The pastor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes! The pastor! So I just, you know, and I never talked to him again. And this was two years ago. I just got a call from him last week. I see he's still trying. And it's like, he, and he's very handsome and he's high profile. And so he can't believe that a woman wouldn't, that, that would would turn him down. But it's things yeah. like that. I think God makes it so abundantly clear to me oh, right? abundantly clear yeah. that yeah. I can't even deny it. Even if I was to say, you know what, he was just handsome and Maybe I should just go out and just have a meal and I can't. I can't even do that. It it is so obvious. <laughs> I would be the wife sitting in the front row of the church that he beat up all the way to the church and then makes this masterful you know sermon. I
0: right, right, right. And you know <clears throat> I used to um spend some time like sewing into Younger women that was single, and one of the my main pieces of advice was get divorced before you get married. Oh, <laughs> that's
1: good. You have
0: the opportunity to get divorced before you get married. Like, yes. Now, like it might hurt a little bit now, right? You're okay. Like I know you like him. I know he's fine, girl. He's fine, fine. Okay, he too fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get a divorce now. I do, the
1: do, do it now. You know, I, I don't know how much time we have. I, I had a dream. Can I tell you about the dream? Yeah, we got a few more minutes. Go ahead. Okay. I, I had a dream. And that dream was that I was I was getting this was just two days ago, I was getting ready for my wedding. I was getting married in an hour. And I wasn't ready. I was in a beauty supply store with my mom and my cousin who were running around trying to get accessories and get things. And um, I had a Happy anniversary! Gold crown on it. Nothing worked. Nothing fit. Nothing matched. It didn't feel right. And then it occurred to me. I asked my cousin who proposed to me. Yeah, who am I marrying? And she laughed at me. And then I asked my mom, like, who? Seriously, you know? And then I finally said, you know what? It's fine. It'll. I'm sure it'll be fine. The wedding's in an hour. I'm just going to go ahead and go through with it. (laughs) And I I just added this to joyfully single. Actually, um, this story. and when I woke up, the first word that came to my mind, this is when I know God is talking to me, Nia side. never heard of neocide, but then I thought about it and I put the two words together. Nia is purpose, side is death, murder. So mm-hmm. it is basically the murder of your purpose when you just kind of don't do the divorce before the marriage, you are murdering your purpose. And I just... I was like, okay, that's gotta go in the book. <laughs> because I, I mean, and I, and so in my dream, had I gone through an hour later and gone through that wedding, the 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 consequences of having to undo that would have been much greater than me just in the moment in that beauty supply store saying, you know what? I can't do this. I don't know who I'm marrying. I don't have anything together. We can't do this. Um, but sometimes people struggle because they're in the moment and they just have to go through with it. Yeah. That is, that's an
0: excellent point. So many nuggets there. Um, and one of them is pay attention to the signs, right? Pay attention to the signs because I believe that they're always there. And when you're in relationship with God, God is always talking. He's never not talking. Um, we're the ones that just need to pull up the chair and listen. Um, and so, wow, that that's really powerful. And so like, you know despite how you may feel about somebody, or even just the opportunity, knowing that you're not willing to sacrifice your purpose for whoo that right there that'll preach. Yeah. Um, I hear some feedback. I'm don't. sorry,
1: it's my oven is ready. I don't know if I should just turn it off, it's gonna keep doing that. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> we can take a commercial break. You can turn it
1: Okay, I'm gonna do that. <laughs>
0: wow um some great nuggets so far ladies i hope that you have found something to uh, walk away with in our last few minutes um dr pamela is going to talk to us about the book um so just you know you mentioned that you put that in the book um what, what's your favorite part of the book and how did you come up with joyfully single that's mm-hmm. a stacking question
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, so that is now my favorite part of the book. But before that, um, me and Paul in the Bible have had some debates. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So Paul says better that we don't marry, you know, right. and I've I've kind of had some beef with him around that. You know, what are you talking about? Like, you, so you just want me to be single. Like, is that my fate? Is that what you're trying to get us to all be? That doesn't make sense. Human nature would never continue because we're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage. So what are you saying? And um, so I've wrestled with that a lot. And I think that what I've resolved is that. If your purpose is something, and I can't, I just can't emphasize the, the the importance of purpose enough. But if your purpose is something that's going to be pushed to the side, or stomped on, or disregarded for the sake of marriage, it is better not to marry. Just don't do it. Don't because that you're not here specifically for marriage. You're here for whatever purpose God planted in your heart. And yes, some people's purpose comes through their marriage, but it's not gonna come through your marriage if you're stomping on it. So I so I guess I'm cool with Paul now. <laughs> we <laughs> made peace with Paul. I made peace with him, because that makes sense. And, and I get it, and the last 10 years of my life has been all about purpose. There is no way I would be doing any of the things that I'm doing right now, if I had just decided to marry one of the people that I was dating in the past, you know? It's not to say God's not gonna bring somebody who can be in alignment with what I'm doing now, but I can tell you 100%, the people I have dated, this would not have come to fruition if I had forced and tried to make those people stay in my life and just go ahead and and I might as well, I might as well just get married, let's just do it. No way, I would never have been able to see what I was capable of doing even by myself. Um, you know, about buying the house I bought last year. I had to fight for that. I always thought I needed a husband to do that stuff for me. And it feels silly even saying that, but I, mm-hmm. I just learned so much in things I, I just never would have learned. And so that my favorite part in the book is when I talk about my arm wrestling with Paul and, <laughs> and, and the piece I made.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so how did you come up with the topic? Like, What made you decide to write about being joyfully single?
1: Because if any of you had a camera in my house at any given time of the day, you'd see me dancing around the house randomly about silly things. Not because there's music on or it's a good song. It's me just doing these weird, crazy ballet dances to because I'm just happy. I'm just joyful. Um, And I've noticed that a lot of the all of my research over the last 10 years has basically had the underpinnings of joy. You know, my first study as in fact, today is the day I defended my dissertation 12 years ago at Cardinal Stritch. Really? <laughs> yes. And that was about how people become the first in their family to go to college. That's joy. That is a, a, a manifestation of joy. And then I studied how, um, you know, uh, people recover after divorce, and how they find their joy after, you know, what does it take? So it's always been about how people struggle, and then what they do to find purpose after that struggle, and it all comes down to joy. And so my focus um, is really the culmination of all of my work that essentially has been talking about joy all along. So I've been diving into What it looks like, what it means—it's not very well defined. There's not a lot of research that agrees, Um, and so there's such an opportunity for me to fill that gap. Um, And it it just satisfies my spiritual needs as a professional, but it also satisfies the coaching realm, my writing. There's just so—it's just the perfect um, niche for me to take on.
0: Yeah, a great topic. You know, and some people may even consider it an oxymoron. How can you be Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> joyful and single. Um, but I think exactly. that it's it's a perfect thing to um, discuss, especially from like including your research that you've done all over the years, and you know, putting the spiritual aspect on it to to talk about like that's really the place that we're supposed to be. Um, yeah. And another, another um, piece of advice that I would give my my millennial girls, my singles, um, mm-hmm. single ladies would be just that, you know, I don't believe that I've never been of the mindset that marriage is supposed to complete you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, that kind of goes along with that school of thought. Like if you're not joyful before you get there, you know, there's going to be some challenges So marriage in itself. Um, is, is, is a work, right? It is a work right. it's a of work that is, it continues, right? It's nonstop. Yep. And, um, it, it's going to be much more difficult for you to be, um, joyful or happy in the marriage. If the person that you're married is necessary for you to be happy, like if his presence, if him, because
1: There's going to be some days where you hate that joker. Yeah, I don't like you. Right, right, right. And the the other thing is, I need him to know how to how to um, walk in joy in his own life as well. That's another thing that attracts me to somebody when I know that they know how to express joy. When you are too cool all the time, and you don't know just how to just let it out and be joyful, um, you know, that's, that's a problem. So I, I think that's important as well. Um, and one of the first lines I have in the book, and that might change by the time it gets published, it's with editing right now. But you open the book and one of the first lines you'll see is that if um, being single was easy, there'd be no reason to write a book about being joyfully single. It's just something that doesn't naturally come to people. You actually have to have intention to be joyfully single. Yeah,
0: I I definitely agree. And the emotional part can, because I definitely had times where I was not joyful. Like, I'm sick of being single. I'm tired of this. You know, I'm tired of. Going through the motions of dating, knowing what I want the end result to be, um, and so sometimes that can be frustrating. But um, definitely knowing that from from the place that you know, I know that I know who God has called me to be, and some of that has been further defined the older I got. But um, that wasn't up for for debate for me. You know, as right. far as me getting getting married and whoever I I knew for sure, whoever I was going to marry, um, they had to be in a place that um didn't compromise where i was trying to go um and we had to be on one accord with that and so and vice versa it's not just about me getting what i want right right um and so and that that was a very clear epiphany to me that the lord showed me that you know you do have a lot of requests which is great like you can make that request known but what what makes you think that i don't want the best for him as well right and i was like oh (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know I mean I think it's important and that's the thing like I know it's gonna be somebody who I'm attracted to because I think the Lord would want me to be willing to touch him so <laughs> so yeah those he'll take care of all of those those elements <laughs> right yeah and I think
0: the you know maybe the bigger point is that it's not just something that um women have to be focused on like it is equally important for the person that you're marrying to be joyfully single, <laughs> right? Like he yes. needs to be joyfully single, you being joyfully single, then the two of you coming together, I think that's when the magic-
1: Ooh, Fireworks!
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. That's when the, that's when the magic happens. Um, so what would you say, um, like three things that- um, women can walk away. Like, what can they do now? We're in a pandemic. We're in some very trying times. You know, if we if you look at turn on the news any given day, oh my yeah. God, like if you're on any type of antidepressants, like put them on, like mm-hmm. let me do something right now. Right. Uh, it has the ability to have that impact on you uh, with all the negativity that's happening. Um, what are some things that, you know, from your expert advice, How can we remain? How can women remain joyfully single?
1: Well, the overarching for these three is going to be intention. You've got to be intentional about it. You can't just be like, you know, maybe today I'll pray. You know, no, no, you you have to be intentional. You might have to set a schedule for yourself. You've got to be, especially during COVID. You've just got to be firm on those things. So I would say the first one is to get close to God and nurture your spiritual life. Um, It's just... Uh, it's the thing that's kept me sane <laughs> through all of this. I, you know, no more time for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to get close to God and nurture that spiritual life. And for me, having an actual prayer closet does that for me. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like lately I've been as diligent in it as I need to be. Um, mm-hmm. And when I'm not, God always gives me a reason to go crawling in there. Because I shouldn't say God is doing that, but I'm like, oh, okay, I'm back. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there and if i if i just need to go in there and just lay down whatever i need to do i've got post-it notes reminding me i've got a message in there saying god hears you um but so the spiritual piece I've, is so important and everybody has a different way of um you know having a relationship with god you know for me it's We're talking out loud because I live by myself most of the time. My daughter's with her dad every other week. So I can literally walk around the house just as audibly as I am right now. And I'm talking to God. And so so for me, it's nonstop. It's all day. It's every day. Um, And I don't know how that changes when I get a spouse. (laughs) So I don't know. But that's that's what I do. So that's important. Um, Number two is. Do things that stimulate your joy. Find your joy. Um, Be intentional about it. Like I said, joy isn't something that just happens um, or it's not always just triggered by an event or good news. Um, Sometimes you actually have to create it. Um, So, For example, if I am going through bouts of loneliness and I'm just like, gosh, it would be really nice to have somebody. Why do I always have to go to bed by myself? Why is it always, you know, how long is this going to last? I find ways to address the loneliness without compromising my purpose. And so um, I will I'll text my girls and say, look, we need to have a Zoom wine night you know, so meet me on Zoom at eight o'clock, you know, I need, and and I usually feel much better after that. Um, The going to bed part, um, I, one of the things I do, and I don't know if this is going to help everybody, but one of the things that I do is I think, I I think of things um, that I'm grateful for, Um, And so one of the things that I think of is that I'm grateful that I'm going to bed safely tonight. I'm grateful that I don't have to go to bed worrying about whether or not my spouse is going to hurt me when I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful. And what I turn that into is, but there's somebody going to bed right now who has exactly that fear. There's somebody going to bed right now who is afraid of what's going to happen to them when they go to sleep. And I spend time praying for that person. And when I put my energy into praying for that person, it totally changes my mindset. And it gives me more of a sense of purpose. It transfers my, or it replaces my powerlessness to a sense of, I do have some level of power um, because I believe in the power of prayer. And so it, it just totally changes my mindset. So finding ways to address some of those negative feelings by filling it with joy. Now, praying for somebody who I think might be feeling a certain kind of way before they go, but doesn't necessarily mean joy, but it does help you deal with some of those more negative experiences that you might be having. And the more you can deal with that, the more you make space for joy. So just be proactive when you're feeling something that's kind of like a below the equator kind of feeling like I don't feel great. Um, it's not a bad thing. That's a signal, and that says I need to address that. I need to find out why I'm not feeling great, and I need to do something about it. Um, and then the last one is to get to a place of just total self awareness. Um, and um, what is it that you love to do? I I know that for me, in order to kind of stay. Up, I I need to make sure I'm moving. I need to make sure I'm active. I need to make sure I'm running or walking. Um, I've been in this kind of this this space. It's not a huge space um, as for my little getaway. Um, yesterday it was was it yesterday or today? Cold and rainy. I was like I'm not going out there to walk, and I just paste myself around this place until I hit my 10,000 steps and I'm like, "Whoa, so but I need that." And so what is it that you need to keep your energy, to keep your blood flowing to to so that you're just not like a blob, a lump on the log, um but that you're actually lively and active because that as well is going to keep you um, you know, safe and sane. So, you know, just Making sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you have people around you, that you're making sure your spiritual life um, is solid, because sometimes the spiritual life is that thing when nothing else is. There's no friends around. There's nothing joyful seemingly around you. You got to be able to talk to God and find some greater meaning behind what's happening in your life.
0: That's good. That's good
1: stuff, Dr. Pam. Um, when, When
0: will the book come out? When can we expect that out?
1: Um, we're looking at fall. So okay. right now it's in um, editing. And like I said, I just added another piece yesterday. I need to stop looking at it. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're looking at fall um, for that.
0: Wonderful. Well I'm so grateful that I got a chance to be one of the first to talk to you about the book.
1: The first. The <laughs> first. Oh, <yay.
0: laughs> yes. oh, that's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Um, so Dr. Pam, how can people find you?
1: Um, so I am on, um, Instagram as as empowered writer and, um, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. I'm empowered writer, um, clubhouse. I'm empowered writer. I'm that everywhere. Um, and Facebook is just Pamela Larde and, um, or Dr. Pamela Larde. You'll find me there too. I have two pages, but yeah, that's, that's the best way to reach me.
0: Wonderful. And then she's also got these great organizations, the Academy of Creative Coaching, um, Tandem Light. Um, you can definitely check those out if you're looking to author a book. Um, she's got a great team of people that that can help you with that process. And um, the Academy for becoming certified as a as a coach that was definitely one of the best decisions that I made I think in this um, juncture of my business it has served me well You're and right. um, and I'm continuing to grow from it and evolve just and so anyway I, I could go on and on but I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule on your vacation, your staycation, vacation. <laughs> um, you, you talked with us to this evening. I had a great time. It was like we were just, you know, sitting back, having a great conversation. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the things I love about fireside chat. Um nice. so thank you so much. Thank you everybody for listening. Um like, subscribe, all that stuff that people say. Um but lifestyle is here to represent the woman 40 and over. There's so much greatness in us. So much, so many great things to do. Um, and I believe that we can be better. Uh, we are a community that can be better. We have so much to offer the world. And um, keep living life in style. We'll see you next time. <laughs>